0: This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by Stitch Fix and by HelloFresh. So we recently talked about steps that TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, is taking to essentially ensure that kids in China on the Chinese version of the app known as Yin, don't become the social media addicted burdens on society who spend more time posting and scrolling than hitting them books like ByteDance's U.S. customer base yeah. on TikTok. We waste a lot of time. Uh, they've got the youth of America hooked on an endlessly scrolling app that has rendered all boredom and ambition completely obsolete, but they
1: will be damned if the same thing happens at home. And last time we checked in on this, ByteDance had limited users under the age of 14 to just 40 minutes of doing it per day and only between the hours of 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. You need a good night's sleep. Uh, That was right in line with a number of similar restrictions in China across the tech and gaming space, and seems to be coming from the very top, with China's government concerned that the nation's youth are spending too much time on that damn phone. You
0: always on that phone.
1: But uh, being glued to the phone all day, of course, isn't just something that happens to kids. It's a huge productivity killer for all ages. And ByteDance is now rolling out an update to Duyen that's basically the social media version of your drug dealer staging an intervention. Even I think you've had enough. Yeah. Which is, that happens sometimes. It happens to Mike
0: Lindell. uh, Back in his his crack-smoking days, his drug dealers staged intervention.
1: And look at him now. Exactly. So, there you go. Did they do this with, like, the radio uh, back in, like, the 20s? All right, folks, if you've been listening to this a bit long, uh, maybe... Well, we're going to start this off. Well, technically, I mean, back in America, they would play the national anthem and it'd be done. No more TV. But now there's just so many options. I'm talking about China. Was China, like... The radio is just, it's, it's poisoning people's minds. It's taking their focus away from more important things. Maybe. Yeah. Seems like something they might do. Yeah. But
0: anyway, here's the South China Morning Post explaining this latest update. TikTok is known for keeping its users glued to the screen with an endless stream of bite-sized videos, but its Chinese sister app Duyin is trying to curb binge viewing by inserting five-second pauses along the feed following the Chinese government's heightened scrutiny of addictive online behavior. Douyin will now hijack the screen with one of six short videos produced in partnership with Chinese band Phoenix Legend whenever a user spends too much time on the app, according to a social media post by ByteDance-owned Douyin on Thursday. The pause is mandatory, while the videos, which remind users to put down the phone, go to bed, or of work tomorrow, cannot be swiped away. The new feature is designed to encourage users not to indulge in the app for a long time, according to Douyin, which has more than 600 million daily active users in China. Quote, the world is very big. Its scenery is beautiful. And there are many videos, Duyan said. If you have conversations or videos
1: that you can't finish today,
0: leave them until tomorrow.
1: You know, I hate to actually admit this, but TikTok actually has a feature similar to this. And I haven't seen it pop up in a while. I've been do- trying to do a little bit better. But uh, they do have a thing where if you scroll too long, it goes, hey, 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 wait, buddy. Whoa. Maybe stop scrolling so much and get a good night's rest. It's like something like that. Like, and it's like usually a TikTok creator. But can you just swipe it away? Get out of here. I think so, yeah. Yeah, not but, in China. But it, uh, it definitely pops up and says, I think you've had enough. So, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I don't know what the timing is. It might be like after an hour or two or <laughs> six. I don't know. I mean, yeah, scrolling TikTok <laughs> for an hour straight, not good.
0: Yeah, it certainly isn't. It's yeah. not really a productive use of your time. We, we all have vices, but uh, that, that's a long time to be scrolling TikTok and just scrambling your brain with extremely short videos.
1: Look, I, I I'm sitting on the couch watching a game. It's like the fifth inning. There's nothing not much going on. I honestly wish Twitter had this because there's definitely days. Usually,
0: when I'm a little hungover and there's not much going on, and I'm I'm on the couch. I might have something on the TV, but I'm mostly just mindlessly scrolling Twitter. Mm-hmm. And there's I shouldn't be doing it. There's I'm not getting anything out of it. It's just sort of force of habit. Yeah. It would be nice if uh, Jack Dorsey and his terrifying visage popped up on the screen and said, Hey.
1: Why don't you go meditate? Why don't you go meditate like I do? (laughs) I'm going to live to be 100. Um, Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you really have to have a bit of self-control. And uh, I, like many others out there, don't have a lot of it. That's why I had to stop drinking. So uh, just like with TikTok, one day I'll reach a breaking point and say, enough is enough. I can't watch that guy do Southern Dad impersonations anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, that bit kind of got old, too.
1: He's, st- he's still knocking him out. He did a great phrase. one. Yeah, that mean. was a
0: good one. But, yeah, you look at his feed, and it's like, come on,
1: man. You're funny. You can, you can come up with a new bit. I mean, you know, you find the thing that you're good at and the people watch, and you kind of got to stick to it. I guess. Yeah. You know? Anyways, this app, which uses complex algorithms to be as addictive as possible, is now interrupting its users after a certain period of time to scold them for spending so much time looking at the app. Uh, It's similar to the message that uh, used to pop up on the Nintendo Wii that suggested that users take a break with an image of an open window very passive-aggressively suggesting them uh, to go outside and touch grass. Uh, Except this time, the breaks are mandatory. They're also five seconds long, which is shorter than most YouTube ads. So while it's annoying, it it might not be all that effective. Honestly, what might be more effective is just show these Dooyan users videos of fat, lazy Americans endlessly scrolling TikTok in bed illuminated only by the light of their screens, with a message asking, is this what you want to be?
0: Yeah, I think that would be a lot more effective. Some might uh, say yes. Uh, what, a, what a dream. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the American identity in the, the eyes of the international community, it, it's complex. I mean, they hate us for... They hate us because they hate us. They do hate us for re- legitimate reasons, but then also because they hate us. Yeah. But then, you know, they also kind of want to be us. So I don't know. I, I yeah, it's, I don't know how effective it would be. Just, but I feel like I feel like Chinese, even the youth of China, they they want to be better than us. Yeah. So if you just show them, just
1: they, they don't want to wanna be. They have to. Just be. Just an
0: American slob with Dorito, fucking dust all just on the couch scrolling yeah. TikTok. They'd be like, damn, is that what I look like? I need to hit the books.
1: I need to get my degree in physics. It's good motivation. The next world war. It, I do feel bad when I see it pop up because it, at the very least, uh, in the American version when it pops up, it reminds me that I actually have been scrolling for like an hour. It's like, yeah. yeah. Like, hey, this is, it, it should just be the black screen where you can see your reflection. And usually you're in a position where you're just like, like you don't look good at all. So, yeah, it should just be a thing. Pic- it should turn on your camera yeah, say, it, should, it should look like, at yourself.
0: Like the, the, the way, like what the Terminator sees, like yeah. Terminator vision, it's like baggy eyes detected. Like yeah. uh, your gaze is is weak.
1: Yeah, it just does like- Droopy face Barely detected. one of those filters, like a Snapchat filter where it makes you look even worse than your eye. You're like, oh <laughs> God, I should put this down. Yeah. I look terrible.
0: Anyways, with that fun little story out of the way, uh, let's move on now to something much less fun. The death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins on the New Mexico set of the movie Rust, which involved actor Alec Baldwin somehow firing a live round from a prop revolver, despite that not being at all what is supposed to happen or allowed on any movie set. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's been almost a week now since this incident occurred, and there are still so many huge questions that remain unanswered. But let's go through some updates to the story. That have dropped since we last covered it on uh, Friday of last week. And if you haven't watched that video, uh, it's a good primer on this whole clusterfuck. Yeah. Uh, But the LA
1: Times published the, the following piece on Sunday based on police reports. Aside from Baldwin, Director Joel Souza said, two people were handling the gun for the scene, Armorer Hannah Gutierrez-Reed and then Assistant Director Dave Halls, who handed the gun to Baldwin, the affidavit said. Because of COVID-19 safety protocols, Gutierrez-Reed set up three prop guns on a cart outside Bonanza Creek Ranch's church set, the focus of the search warrant. Halls did not know live rounds were in the gun that he handed to Baldwin, and Halls yelled, cold gun, according to the affidavit. Sousa told the detective that the cast and crew had been preparing for the scene before lunch, but then took a meal break away from the rehearsal area around 12.30 p.m. When they returned, Sousa said, he wasn't sure whether the gun was checked again. He also addressed the possibility of cast or crew members bringing onto the set live ammunition and live rounds, which can include potentially dangerous blanks, quote, Joel said as far as he knows, no one gets checked for live ammunition on their person prior and after scenes are being filmed, the affidavit said. The only thing checked are the firearms to avoid live ammunition being in them. Joel stated there should never be live rounds whatsoever near or around the scene. When they came back from lunch, a creeping shadow prompted the camera to be moved to a different angle, camera operator Reed Russell told the detective. As Baldwin was explaining how he was going to draw his gun and where his arm would be positioned, it discharged, Russell said. See that, that's when... The gun went
0: off and Helena Hutchins was fatally shot in the chest with the projectile exiting her body and then hitting director Joel Souza in the shoulder. Which brings us to the biggest question. How did a live projectile get into that gun? Uh, the death of Brandon Lee has been brought up a lot in the, in the wake of this incident for obvious reasons. But let's just clear up what exactly happened with Brandon Lee's death on the set of The Crow because a lot of people seem to have uh, the wrong impression of how that went down. But so... On the set of the Crow, first, a dummy cartridge was used in a prop gun. The dummy cartridge is basically a totally real-looking round. It's got a casing and a bullet, but no propellant in it to make the bullet actually fire. Uh, But that dummy round, it still, for some reason, had a primer in it, which is normally, that's used to ignite the propellant in real ammunition. And uh, that tiny primer explosion was enough to push the bullet into the gun's barrel, even though there was no propellant in it. And so when the gun was reloaded with blanks, which do contain propellant, but no bullet, you now had basically all the ingredients necessary for real ammo in the gun. It's just the bullet was in the barrel and not attached to the
1: casing. And uh, yeah, the propellant fired the bullet that was in the barrel, which hit Brandon Lee. Yeah, they took separate ingredients and combined them over the course of two different shots. Yeah. Um, So Brandon Lee's death would have been avoided if someone had made sure that the gun's barrel was clear. So is that what happened here? Uh, it's been a bit confusing because the term live round has been used a lot, but on set, blanks are also considered live rounds because they contain propellant. Uh, well, investigators said at a press conference this week that they believe they have recovered the lead projectile, which killed Hutchins and entered Souza. Uh, they also said that they seized ammunition from the set that included blanks, dummies, and live rounds, which would, in this case, presumably be real cartridges with all of the ingredients necessary to fire a bullet. Hmm. Um So this may have been a Brandon Lee situation, but it also may have been an actual fucking live real bullet with with all the ingredients. The the kind you go buy down at the gun shop. That was left in the gun and given to Alec Baldwin. Which,
0: to the naked eye, people are like, oh, well, why didn't Alec Baldwin? First of all, that's not his job. But secondly, a dummy round looks like a real cartridge. Like it has a bullet and it has a casing. Unless you have x-ray vision or, I mean, I'm sure there's like some telltale way of telling the difference, but, like, just glancing at it, it's the same fucking thing. All of the stuff that's uh,
1: visible on a bullet, is, a all real of that one is being visible said, on a dummy. All of that being said, on a movie set with an armorer, you are handed a prop that yeah. you are assured is not going to kill someone. Yeah. That's someone's entire job. Their entire job <laughs> is that. All they have
0: to do is... Make sure there's not a bullet in that aren't gun. There are real bullets yeah. in these guns that we're using to pretend to shoot at people. Anyway, so how does a fully functional live round end up on a movie set and in a gun held by an actor? That remains painfully unclear, but the next question would be, whose job was it to make sure that didn't happen? And that's currently narrowed down to two people. Armorer Hannah Gutierrez and assistant director Dave Hall. And... A whole lot of huge red flags have popped up about both of these people since uh, police and journalists started looking into them.
1: So, Hannah Gutierrez is actually the 24-year-old daughter of a veteran Hollywood armorer, but uh, Rust is only her second movie that she's worked on as an armorer. Her only previous credit as an armorer was a Nick Cage movie called The Old Way, which was filmed this past summer, and, well, uh, here's the wrap with some info on uh, how that went down. Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, the 24-year-old armorer who handled weapons on the set of Alec Baldwin's Rust, was the subject of numerous complaints on her previous film just two months earlier after she discharged weapons without warning and infuriated star Nicolas Cage, a crew member told The Wrap. Stu Brumbaugh, who served as a key grip on the Cage western The Old Way this summer, told The Wrap that Gutierrez upset both Cage and other crew members on the Montana production by failing to follow basic gun safety protocols like announcing the arrival and usage of weapons onto the set. After firing a gun near the cast and crew for a second time in three days without warning, Brumbaugh said that Cage yelled at her, Make an announcement! You just blew my fucking eardrums out! Before walking off the set in a rage. I told the AD she needs to be let go, Brumbaugh added. After the second round, I was pissed off. We were moving too fast. She's a rookie. Okay, so bit of a, seen a, starting to see a pattern
0: here. Yes. Uh, here's another allegation from that article, and this is fucking wild. She tucked pistols under her armpits and carried rifles in each hand that were ready to be used in a scene. Firearms were aimed at people. She turned around and the pistols that were tucked under her armpits were pointing back at people. So, duh. Duh, not, not how you're supposed to be carrying guns around, just however many I can fit under my arms. Yeah, like riding into town like in hot fuzz. And uh, here's a real fucking doozy from another article uh, from The rap. The gun that killed Rust cinematographer Helena Hutchins last Thursday was used by crew members that morning for live ammunition target practice, an individual with knowledge of the set told The Wrap. A number of crew members had taken prop guns from the New Mexico set of the indie Western, including the gun that killed Hutchins, to go plinking, a hobby in which people shoot at beer cans with live ammunition to pass the time, the insider said. Well, there you
1: fucking go. I think that might have had something to do with it. Just a bunch of people were like, oh, cool, we're on a Western set. Let's do Western set shit. Yeah, we're going to some guns. We're just gonna go over there. Shoot farmers some live. Prize ammo. cans
0: and uh, just hope and pray that none of our real ammunition gets mixed up with any of this other ammunition that looks real but is fake for the purposes of filmmaking. Because that would suck. Yeah, uh, this
1: girl's career is fucking over. Yeah, good. Yeah, and she deserves she it. She deserves it. She was uh, responsible directly for the death of someone. It's, it would seem to be the case. Seems like that would be the worst possible scenario for an armorer in the business. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So yeah, look. All of this fooling around probably had something to do with it. Yeah. That would that would definitely explain
0: how a, uh, a real cartridge ended up in this yeah. gun when there's no
1: reason at all for a real cartridge to be on the set at all. Meanwhile, assistant director Dave Halls, whose job was to get the gun from Gutierrez, inspect it, and then give it to Baldwin, apparently didn't inspect the gun very closely, according to the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office. Uh, Here's the LA Times. Crew members on the set of Rust believe that the lead bullet that fatally wounded cinematographer Helena Hutchins on Thursday was supposed to be a dummy round, according to a search warrant affidavit filed by the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office on Wednesday and a Los Angeles Times interview with a crew member who was in the Western sets church at the time of the shooting. According to the affidavit, First, assistant director Dave Halls told investigators that he did not check all the rounds in the gun before it was handed to actor and producer Alec Baldwin, a major breach of safety protocol.
0: So, assuming that uh, Gutierrez is the one that fucked up, this was the one chance to uh, maybe prevent that fuck-up from going one step further. And he's just like, yep eh, looks good. All right, here you go. Fire away, Alec. Ugh. Anyway, here's more on Dave Halls from the LA Times. Halls has come under scrutiny before. In 2019, he was fired from the film Freedom's Path after a crew member had a minor and temporary injury when a prop gun unexpectedly discharged, according to a producer from the film who declined to be named because he was not authorized to comment. That same year, Halls was brought in to replace first assistant director Courtney Hope Thorrand on the film The Pale Door after she was let go from the job. Thorrand said the Oklahoma production had many safety issues that she pushed back on, such as no safety plan for tornadoes in a tornado zone. Quote, that's when they brought in Dave because he had a reputation for being lax on safety, Theron said. Apparently, when the first AD walks off a project, Dave is known as the guy you call.
1: Yeah, we'll do it. And we won't have any restrictions or anything like that either. Yeah. He's our guy. Uh, Yeah, sounds like it was trouble waiting to happen. And unfortunately, it cost the life of someone. This is extremely fucked up. Yeah. The whole thing. And it keeps getting worse. Every day, there's a new story about this. And it's like, how could this get any dumber and more insane? And it's like, you read an article and you're like, there were so many things that went wrong and so many opportunities to stop it.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's fucking wild. But, but meanwhile, you got like Donald Trump Jr. selling shirts. Oh my like, God. Guns don't kill people. Alec Baldwin kills people. Like a woman is fucking dead, you ghoul. You piece of shit.
1: He's like such a fucking like 13 year old edgy like meme lord. Yeah but has, for whatever reason have a, has a fucking platform and a merch store. Yeah, like literally profiting off this woman's death. So look, that's, that's what we currently know. Um, this story is evolving rapidly and we'll probably have more updates for you later this week, but basically it sounds like a 100% live round did in fact somehow make its way into the chamber of the gun that killed uh, Helena Hutchins and lax safety protocols are to blame. The people whose job it was to make sure this didn't happen failed at their jobs And this may have been part of larger issues with the overall safety and organization of the production.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was... uh, The original prop master even said, he's like, yeah, I signed on to the project, and I showed up on set, and I was like, yeah, the vibes were fucked, so I quit, but now I feel kind of bad because I knew something like this might happen, and if I had taken the job, I might have been able to prevent it. Yeah, it's... uh, But, I mean, yeah, there was all the, like, they, all the union staff, uh, the union crew members walked off the set earlier that same day. Uh, yeah, just uh, sounds like a real clusterfuck. Uh, this didn't have to happen at all, but it did. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we got more news for you coming up that's all thankfully a lot more lighthearted than that last story. Uh, but first, this episode is sponsored by Stitch Fix. Your style isn't one-size-fits-all. It's about what suits your body and what suits the moment. So why not shop at a store that is personalized to your body and style? Introducing Stitch Fix Freestyle, a shop built just for you. Stitch Fix Freestyle is your trusted style destination where you can discover and instantly buy curated items based on your style, likes, and lifestyle.
1: Whether you're looking for a brand you love or to try a new one, at Stitch Fix Freestyle you can shop hundreds of brands personalized to your size and fit. With styles for workouts to work wear, for lounging around the house, or for a night out on the town, Stitch Fix Freestyle has clothes for any occasion. Plus, there's no subscription required, and they offer free shipping, returns, and exchanges. Get started today by filling out your style quiz at stitchfix.com newsday. That is stitchfix.com newsday to try Stitch Fix Freestyle. stitchfix.com newsday.
0: And this episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. Hello. With HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, including vegetarian, calorie-smart, and gourmet options, providing plenty of variety. Ingredients travel from the farm to your door within a week, so
1: you get the convenience without skimping on the quality. Fall can be hectic, but HelloFresh's recipes save time you'd otherwise spend on meal prepping, grocery shopping, and chopping, so you can focus on getting back into a new routine and spending quality time with the family. Two hearty autumn recipes coming up next week that we are very much looking forward to uh, are the mushroom and herb shepherd's pie. I actually got that uh, this week and last. It's, oh, yeah. It is so good, especially if you put a little burn on those edges. Yeah. Get that crispy going. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, that's with white cheddar mashed potatoes. And there's also the garlic, herb, butter, shrimp, and lobster with lemony broccoli and chive creme fraiche mashed potatoes. Uh, yum. And uh, also this week, I got to give a shout out to one of the easiest but uh, healthiest things that I've gotten, just vegetarian flatbread. Oh, yeah. Very easy. Um, you can do a lot with vegetarian flatbread. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. So go to HelloFresh.com
0: slash Newsday14 and use code Newsday14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. That is up to 14 free meals by going to HelloFresh.com slash Newsday14 and
1: using code Newsday14. Hey, back to some news now, though, with a little bit of gamer news. Gamers? Gamers? Actor Timothy Chalamet is in a real career renaissance right now, with both Dune and the French Dispatch opening on the same day last Friday. But Timothy Chalamet is also a gamer. And most 25 year old men play video games, but Timothy Chalamet actually at one point had a YouTube channel where he showed off custom Xbox 360 controller mods that he used to make when he was just 15 years old but even hardcore Timothy fans might not have known that about him because it was recently uncovered by Vice's motherboard in the type of investigation usually reserved for more important matters. Um, Here's some of their article. (laughs)
0: The theory appeared to have popped up in 2018 when a Chalamet Instagram fan page called Chalamet Universe said they were looking at Chalamet's old YouTube channel and saw that it had liked a few YouTube videos in which a kid with a raspy voice is showing off Xbox 360 controllers modded with different color schemes. We asked Chalamet Universe what YouTube channel they were referring to when they said they looked at Chalamet's old YouTube channel, but they did not respond. Three Xbox 360 controller modding videos appeared on the modded controller 360 account in February and March of 2010, when Chalamet would have been 15. Every video follows the same pattern. A young person holds a customized Xbox 360 controller in front of the camera. You can't see their face, but you do hear their voice. It sounds a lot like a young Chalamet when compared to videos of him acting at the time. What's good, YouTube? This is modded controller 360 with the controller of the week, the YouTuber said in his first video. Here's a red tiger. Started it yesterday finished it today. It looks nice. It looks sexy. Modded controller 360 then spins the controller
1: to show it off. The other two videos are more of the same. There is a not insignificant chance that this channel was signed to Machinima at some point. (laughs) And he probably thought it was so cool. Yeah. Oh my god! I signed to Machinima! I'm gonna make it big! They don't just let anyone sign to Machinima. (laughs) Not at this point in time. Uh, (laughs) Only 15 year olds showing off controllers. Yeah. All I had to do was sign it like perpetuity, whatever the fuck that means. Hey, look, I didn't even read it. Uh, Major evidence linking Chalamet to the modded Controller 360 YouTube channel was provided by Chalamet himself back in July when he posted a photo to Instagram showing him as a kid in his bedroom with some friends. Vice was able to confirm by comparing the photo to the YouTube videos that uh, Timothy's old desk chair appeared very similar to the ones in the videos. The same goes for the wood floor and red rug in the photo, which can be just barely glimpsed in the videos. Uh, They also noted that Timothy Chalamet has a pretty distinctive scar on his left ring finger, which seems to also appear on the hands in the YouTube videos. And most definitely, he said in a French TV interview for the movie Little Women that he used to have a beanbag chair with a soccer pattern on it, which can be seen in the background of one of the videos. Dun dun. Your Honor. This is Timothy Chalamet. This is a new Netflix series exposing (laughs) old YouTube channels of major (laughs) movie stars. Because this is going to keep happening. Oh, of course. It's like that little Ace of Butterfield. Uh, He started building, like, custom PCs. Um, I forget what movie he was in. Has he done much recently? Um, That's what happens when you play video games all day. You lose all your acting gigs.
0: There was also the guy in uh, the Shang-Chi guy who found his old Reddit account with a lot of cringe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cringy comments on it. Yeah.
1: But anyway, yeah. Cringe. (laughs) I mean, cringe. It was, yeah, he was kind of gay bashing. But uh, look, apparently he's learned from it. He said he was sorry. uh, He said he was sorry.
0: But yeah, that is going to keep happening. Yeah. Anyway, the conclusion of the article is obviously that modded 360 or modded controller 360 was almost certainly the young 15-year-old pre-fame Timothy Chalamet. But this was then double confirmed by Chalamet himself in an interview for Dune in which he came completely clean about once having had a YouTube channel called Modded Controller 360 where he posted controller mods that he did for $10 a piece earning him $30 total. Which is, uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, whoever has those, if they still have them, they're probably gonna be worth a lot more. You would think. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, also this whole thing is I mean, this was this was a fun little example of doing a little uh, spying and investigating, but it really demonstrates yet again just how much information people are putting on the internet without even realizing it. Like, yeah. just, like, the fucking 360p videos with just the smallest little details about this guy's room. You're able to match it to this movie star 11 years later. Yeah. So be careful. Speaking of,
1: of TikTok, there was someone that I followed on YouTube right when YouTube started, and it was, like, Little, like, wrestling, like, stop-motion wrestling videos. Mm-hmm. And it was just, like, his voice was funny. And we, were, we would watch these. all It was, like, very pre-YouTube yeah. YouTube where, like, anything was fucking hilarious. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm scrolling by. I'm like, this is the guy from, like, 12 years ago. And it was. And I double-checked and went back. And it was him. And it just like, randomly popped up. So he's still doing content oh. all these years later as a grown adult. Good for him. Yeah. Actually, the craziest example of this
0: sort of thing was uh, Blippi. Yeah, where they forensically uh, were, a, were they were able to uh, verify that Blippy used to be Steezy Grossman, and he did.
1: Well, wow, I mean that wasn't that hard. He's identical, looks identical. But he had done a really good job scrubbing uh,
0: yeah. anything linking him to that from the internet. But Buzzfeed, they were able to f- figure out that Blippy did one time take a big old diarrhea dump in his friend's butthole.
1: We were talking about with other friends about that when it was exposed, and like apparently. Steezy Grossman like used to go to yeah. Machinima like film festivals there was like it wasn't Machinima branded but the people from Machinima yeah. Yeah, our buddy Lawn on...
0: was involved in like the weird film festival and, yeah and he was scene. submitting
1: stuff to that back then yeah so we may have crossed paths with Lippy at we some point have. in time I mean back. at least been in the same room back when he was Steezy Grossman and shitting all over people yeah like he we were like probably like hey yeah nice to meet you and then later you know we go home he goes home and shits on someone yeah he's taking laxatives the whole time yeah. Oh, God, I've got to get out of here. Nice meeting you guys. <laughs> I got a hot one loading. I got content coming.
0: <laughs> I got content. Content brewing. The content factory. That's what I call my bowels. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, uh, moving on to news out of Adobe's annual Adobe Max presentation, where they not only show off new features coming to their flagship products like Photoshop and Premiere, which will almost certainly break those perfectly fine Just working products. Just leave them alone. Yes. But also unveil things on the research and development side that aren't necessarily ever coming out, but are still often insanely impressive to the point of being kind of scary. Uh, The biggest example of an Adobe Max sneak demo from the past few years was that was so good that it was scary was in 2016, when that year's host Jordan Peele was shown a demo in which just a few seconds of Keegan-Michael Key's voice was used to synthesize a bunch of completely new sentences using a software called Voco.
0: Yeah, so that was basically voice deepfakes, which obviously has a ton of potential to be... Abused for nefarious purposes, and already is. There's been several examples of similar technology being used. Like, hey, it's me, your boss. Uh, You need to send all the money to this bank account right now. Yep. Um, So, yeah, it's no surprise that five years later, Adobe has, they haven't even mentioned Voco again, and it's definitely not coming out. At least not Uh, from them. Yeah.
1: Because there's a lot of other companies that are more than happy. This is the same problem. They just showed that it was possible. It's the same problem. Well, we didn't do it. It's not our fault. Same problem with Boston Dynamics. Like, Mm -hmm. well, we're not going to do anything nefarious with it. It's like, okay, well, all it takes is someone buying one of these and reverse engineering it or sticking their own gun on top of it. Yeah. And you've absolved yourself of guilt.
0: Uh, But yeah, this year they did show off another demo for something called Project Morpheus, which basically takes uh, some of the neural filters that are already present in Photoshop that can be used to alter facial expressions, but this time applies them to video. So th- this is deep fakery, but presented much more subtly. Uh, they're not swapping out faces, they're just adding or removing smiles and changing the emotions of the subject. And I, that has, has a lot of potential uses for like subtly improving actors' performances in movies, I guess but it could also clearly do a lot more if they wanted it to, and in a way that would be very hard for the average person to, like, even detect.
1: Yeah, uh, even more impressive, though, is is Project Strike-A-Pose, which lets you provide a photo of a person standing in a pose that you like and then apply that exact same pose to another full-body photo of a completely different person. Uh, It just goes ahead and does it, and their examples are so realistic and believable that you'd never know. It's not even just straight on poses too. You can use a target pose of someone with their back turned to the camera and it'll still apply that pose to your source, creating an entirely new image. With just a single source image, you can make an unlimited amount of new photos of that person in any pose that you want as long as there's a photo out there of someone else in that pose. It's incredible, but also kind of (laughs) scary. This definitely uh, has nefarious things that it could be used for.
0: Compromising poses. Yeah, just like find a pose of someone like Giving their finger to the camera and, uh, you know, take your friend's uh, picture. It. Teacher, he's, he took a picture of himself with his
1: middle finger. I mean, you can already do that with Photoshop. It's just a lot of these yeah. things are things you can already do, but they just they, make it way easier. Yeah, it's way like you could go into After Effects and make someone's facial expression change manually. Yeah, yeah, fairly
0: this, easily. But yeah, this but, is uh, they, they just make it way easier. Yeah,
1: yeah. But like if you did it now, it'd kind of look like that old Soundgarden video. Which one? The <laughs> one where like the everything's like overstretched and morphing uh, yeah. the entire time. So, But you can do it subtly. It's just more work. They're making it easy to do everything. Like, Like, uh, what's gotten really good is their subject selection tools. Oh, yeah. Now you can just, like, like hover over the... Uh, like, it's, I used to sit it's for so, so long with the pen tool doing things. And, it's and just it does, like, like,
0: like, individual hairs. Like, yeah, it's fucking crazy. I've saved so much time. Like, it takes me literally half the amount of time it used to, yeah. to do, like, thumbnails. Yeah. Because most of the work was, like, just masking stuff. Yeah. And now it's just like select subject, and <laughs> it fucking does it like pretty
1: damn well. Yeah, you gotta, well enough to where you might have to f- fiddle with a yeah, little bit. of Yeah, you go in like in
0: the refine tool, and like you know takes, takes it up two a little bit, but like most of the work is done. It's yeah. crazy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, some other sneaks that Adobe showed off were less scary but still very cool. Um, one called Artful Frames is basically style transfer for video, which lets you take drawings or paintings and apply that visual style to video footage in a way that looks way less shitty than other examples that we've seen of this sort of thing. Like this is something that's been around for a while, but it always looks like trash. And this actually looks really cool. It looks like, it's like waking life, but at the push of a button. Mm -hmm. Um, And then similarly, Project Make It Pop involves taking photographs and like basically automatically making stylized vector images from them very quickly. And then you're even able to apply that style to video footage. Uh, which creates the type of rotoscoped animation that would normally take a very long time if done manually.
1: Can't wait for that. Yeah, this is a cool, cartoon actually. show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's also Project In Between, which takes two or more photos taken moments apart and just fills in the gaps to create seamless video of the two images morphing together. The results are shockingly realistic, considering that aside from the images at the beginning and end, all the dozen frames in the middle uh, aren't real frame interpolation, interpolation like this has been around in various forms for a while it but, always sucks though. Yeah, even they did uh <laughs> the yeah, morph, morph cut and it just does premiere. not work yeah, it at looks all. Like, shit. like if you used it everyone would be like what the hell was it, that?
0: Yeah, just it, instead of a jump cut it just looks like a glitched cut.
1: <laughs> like it looks like you just derped for a second. Yeah, it looks like Der.
0: looks like you were filming on like a mini dv camera and someone smacked it so that like
1: yeah, it it got distorted something. Yeah. It just doesn't work well. Here, let's yeah. try one right here. Did it work? No. Gary um, but yeah um, this is easily the most believable example that we've ever seen doing, doing the beginning and ending images yeah. and filling in the blanks that's cool
0: and the, none of the, they're all all those images in the middle completely fake designed by a computer mm. uh, but again none of these are real products yet they're just tech demos and the stuff that they showed off is the best demo material that they were able to create there's probably loads of examples of these features not working as intended that they just didn't show mm-hmm. uh, but it's still a very interesting look at what is possible nowadays in the fields that Adobe works in. A lot of it's very cool. A lot of it is terrifying because uh, it's clearly just going to be getting harder and harder to trust our own eyes as this kind of tech gets better and better. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. When deepfakes first came out, I'm like, oh, we're fucked. And it's been like five years now. And I'm, thankfully, deepfakes haven't ruined the world yet, but the 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 fear is still there. Well, The potential is still there.
1: It's only going to take time because of, you know, making it accessible, more accessible with processing power and making it less financially prohibitive. Yeah. Stuff like that is the only thing holding it back, honestly. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, Adobe also did some NFT stuff. Yeah, you can now make NFTs like
0: directly in Photoshop.
1: So they were saying like, some guy did an example that I saw on Reddit where it's just like, this is the stupidest thing ever. He takes an NFT that like actually was owned or whatever. Yeah. And he just selects all the layers and then starts a new, like, you know, control and N, and then puts it there, takes the watermark off, puts his name on it, and then saves it as an NFT so it's its actual own unique thing again. Yeah. Just, like, I stole it and made an, an entirely new thing that has a unique, uh, like, token tied to it or whatever. That's the blockchain, baby. Don't you love it? They also, like, I think if you're a, a cloud
0: customer, you can now access web versions of Photoshop and Illustrator. Hmm. So, like, if you're... Away the, from the computer? Oh, yeah, if you're just... Not near a computer that has Photoshop installed, <laughs> you can access it, or like not the full version, but like a web version that
1: you can do most of what I, I just need the them program. to fix the three d uh the whole their whole three d shit in Photoshop yeah, got so screwed up. I had to go back like five versions to get it to work correctly
0: yeah that that I think that also that's an issue with Nvidia's drivers like oh. uh Nvidia makes you choose between the gaming driver and the um. Mm like basically they, they have two drivers. They have a gaming driver and then a driver for like animators and shit like that. And they do completely different things. And I don't think they really are consistent about uh, making sure. It, it,
1: you, you try to render a 3D thing in Photoshop yeah, and it just ruins wrong. it. Yeah, Colors go off. Like everything. There's weird textures yeah, that shouldn't be there. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I'm still using like Photoshop 15 or something. It's all like like
0: 23. Yeah, I'm like two years out. (laughs) It's
1: fine. Everything I need is there. Yeah, you know what? This one works and it's stable. I think I'll stay right here. Thank goodness they allow you to actually do that.
0: Yeah, and it's also, I do like that uh, you can download, like you can have all, like the last 10 Photoshop's all uniquely installed on your machine. Yeah, different versions You can just have a menu bar of every Photoshop. Like they, they don't overwrite each other. Like, that's kind of cool. So like, yeah, thanks for that. You can work in the latest one until something inevitably goes wrong, and then just like move on to uh, the last version of the one before. Do, that can you transfer
1: PSDs that. between them? Uh, mm, no. We've bored I everyone watching. I, maybe a little. There's bit. like ten people who do Photoshop. I think for it, I think even. it might
0: like rasterize the stuff that it can't uh, mm-hmm. transfer. But anyway.
1: Welcome to our TED Talk about yeah. the problems with the Adobe Suite, just specifically Premiere, which crashes. crashes Way too often for no reason. Just
0: fix the things that are broken and leave it alone.
1: Yeah. That's it for today's episode of Tech News Day. Uh, We'll be back with some news dump and Weekly Weird News. If you haven't already seen our most recent episodes, the Facebook files are shocking and damning. And the fallout from that continues to roll out. Yeah. Uh, And then there's also uh, Weekly Weird News where we talk about, yay, Kanye. Kanye. Check those out, subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Bye.